back to another episode of Our Maryland's Politics and Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany. We're joined today by Delegate Derek Davis to learn more about the work he and his colleagues are doing in the General Assembly, particularly with the legislative session fast approaching. Since being appointed as chairman of the Economic Matters Committee in 2003, Delegate Davis has been instrumental in efforts to pass a number of critical policies. Included in these policies is the Healthy Working Families Act, which sought to expand paid sick leave protections for working Marylanders. While the bill was initially passed in both chambers of the legislature, Governor Hogan eventually vetoed the bill. With the upcoming legislative session, we're wanting to know what, if anything, Marylanders can expect to see on the paid sick leave issue and what other policies to look for with lawmakers returning to Annapolis. So first of all, Chairman Davis, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So kind of just to get us started, uh, last spring, the General Assembly passed what most observers would call a common sense measure to expand sick leave protections to nearly 700,000 Marylanders. Uh, And the bill came through your committee. So you played an important part in crafting the bill and getting it through the House of Delegates. So can you tell us about the work that went into the bill and how it's going to make a difference for working Marylanders? Thank you for that question. Um, It would be remiss of me to in any way try to take credit for all of this. This was really a collaborative effort over a number of years. Certainly um, Delegate Klippinger, the lead sponsor, um, has played a critical role as well as the advocate. So I don't want anyone in any way to think that, you know, this was Derek Davis. I had just a role like everyone else in it. That being said, um, as I mentioned earlier, this was, I don't know, maybe four or five years in the making. Um, It was, while everybody agreed that we needed to have this, or most everybody agreed that we needed to provide some sort of leave for um, workers when they get sick or, or have other things come up in their lives, Uh, The devil is in the details. And so it took a lot of back and forth over a lot of years. And then the House of Delegates actually passed the bill during the 2016 session. But the Senate, we had to get them there. They weren't quite ready yet. And it all came together earlier this year, um, the 27th session. And um, we're ready to go. We we believe that we've passed a good bill that's going to benefit Marylanders. And we're excited to to, um, bring this benefit forth. And as you mentioned, the bill not only passed, but it passed by a veto-proof margin in both uh, chambers of the legislature earlier this year. Uh, But Governor Hogan vetoed it anyways, and he actually appointed a commission that didn't hold public meetings uh, and announced a compromise that he now wants the legislature to consider. So when you look up compromise in the dictionary, it's defined as a settlement of differences by mutual concessions. So that would imply that the governor and his team worked with you to give a little and get a little in developing his proposal. is that what happened? I think a lot of people define compromise differently. I know in my house, compromise is defined as me saying I was wrong and my wife was right. <laughs> and, and that's how we compromise. But in all seriousness, um, yes, the governor did put together a commission that, that um, you know, a, a team of his advisors and, and staff members to take another look at the issue. Uh, and, and I do believe that he reached out to some degree. I'm not sure um, what you know exactly what that was, but I know that they made some overtures. But the bottom line really is this, and it's, we have differences of opinion now. Um, a lot of the advocates, and rightfully so, feel like they've already compromised on this issue. What they proposed three or four years ago, a matter of fact, even what we passed in the House of Delegates last year, you know, there have been compromises on top of compromises. Um, 
I think there just comes a point in time and the, the legislative process has to take um, take hold. I don't think we, we meaning the legislature um, and, and the administration, are ever going to see eye to eye on this in terms of the details, all of the details. Um, we, we agreed, and, and we're glad the governor agreed that this was certainly something that um, would benefit Marylanders. And, and so we, we reached an agreement on that particular point. But once you start delving into the details of it, we just had a philosophical difference of opinion. One of the problems I guess we had with the governor's bill, at least initially, was the the, the amount of money it was going to cost to the general fund because they um, his bill had a provision in it that dealt with um, tax credits and it would have been a sixty million dollar hit to the general fund and you know that's just not a theory that that sort of effect um, and so you, with that kind of hit we'd have had to cut something else and you know one of our our, our biggest ticket item is education I'm not saying that it had to be that but that is the big ticket item that that we have so. I said all of that just to say um, it's unfortunate that we all couldn't be on the same page and, and agree to something, but we had the same general concern for, for the citizens, and you just get to a point where you have to agree to disagree, and we felt the House plan was superior, and so we, um, you know, we're ready to vote. Right, so looking forward to the upcoming legislative session, what should people be watching for on the paid sick leave issue? On the paid sick leave issue, um, I think, you, to be perfectly honest, the, the people should be watching for the Senate. The House, um, we we passed a bill with votes to spare. Um, I think one of the advoc one of the advocacy groups on the issue they doubled back not too long ago, and there's still a strong commitment um, for an override. Quite frankly, I think it was somewhere between 85 and 88 votes that that have been committed a second time, if you will. So the House is solid and ready to go. The Senate, um, I think it, it it passed with the bare number of, of votes to, um, to override a veto. So if there's just one person that changes their mind or, or is absent or, or whatever the case may be, then that would fail. So if you're asking me what should the folks watch for, I think the action is going to be in the Senate on this issue. In the House, you know, we'll have our debate, but at the end of the debate, I think both sides know where the votes are there. Um, so the action's in the Senate. So the legislature is likely to override the veto, which means 700,000 Marylanders would have had to wait for paid sick leave coverage while Governor Hogan played games. I know that we can't expect you to get inside Governor Hogan's head, but what exactly was the point of this exercise? Um, I, I, it's probably better for me not to, to, um, to, to given the role that I play down here, to you know, question anyone's motives, so I, I won't do that. What I will say for those who are concerned about uh, the delay in the benefit, that the House was, the House and Senate, we were cautious of, of what, or mindful, maybe that's a better word, of the impact it would have on our businesses, and we wanted to be as balanced and as fair as possible. So we actually delayed the um, implementation date of the bill until January 1 of 2018. Um, assuming the veto override goes occurs on the second day of the session, um, I believe according to the Constitution, it's 30 days after that um, before the bill can become law after an override. So the net effect is that, for, you know, fortunately, uh, 
the, the benefit wasn't denied for nine months or, or longer, but the net effect is that it would have been uh, a six-week delay. So uh, we didn't, you know, we we didn't cause the folks to, or the actions didn't cause the folks to, to, to be without health care for too long. But that's that's the important point. That's what I, I want everybody to keep their eyes on the prize. This wasn't about the House and the Senate or the administration. This is strictly about the people. I think we were all on the same page with that. The, the problem was just trying to, the devil in the details, once again, I, mm -hmm. I, I refer back to that. But the thing that I'm most excited about, that I know my colleagues are excited about, is that we're going to bring this much-needed, much-discussed uh, benefit to the citizens as I travel around my district and even around the state um, for various meetings. You know, I always get asked that question. That's the one thing that people have asked me about more than anything else, the paid sick leave benefit. And I tell them, hang on, it's coming, it's coming. And so they're excited about that because we all get sick. We all have, um, you know, aging relatives, be it parents, guardians, uh, aunts, uncles. And, and then when you couple that with the unfortunate situation with domestic violence, assault, and so forth, we need time off from work to tend to personal matters. And not many of us are in the financial position that we can afford to go without a paycheck or, or missing um, days out of our paycheck to tend to those things. So we think this is a reasonable bill. It's certainly isn't excessive in any way. And I'm excited for the people getting the opportunity to, um, to, to, to enjoy that benefit. Absolutely. Responsibly. Absolutely. Um, and we would be remiss not to ask you, Chairman Davis, while we have you, about the upcoming session. Uh, your committee deals with some of the highest profile issues that come before the General Assembly. So what should our listeners be looking for this year? All right. Well, as we've discussed, uh, batting lead off in the House Economic Matters Committee will certainly be uh, paid sick leave. And But then once that's over, I expect that there will be a, a strong push um, dealing with the minimum wage. I know Montgomery County um, has set forth a plan that by, I think, 2024, it would be at $15 an hour. I don't know what you know, what's going to happen um, here in the state. But I do know since 2006, I think every four years, we've put forth a, um, a bill or legislation that will, you know, raise the minimum wage incrementally over the entire um over the entire term. So I suspect that that could be the case this time as well. So we definitely got to look out for that. There's also going to be a push in the renewable energy area. There's talk about increasing our renewable energy by 50% by the year 2030, I believe it is. Um, that's been an ongoing issue as well. You know, we dealt with that last year. That was also the subject of an override, if you will. So that'll be a hot button issue. Um, and then finally, I, some of your listeners may have heard about this reform on TAP task force that uh, Comptroller Francho has um, or convened during this past interim. Some of our listeners may have heard about that, but could oh. you talk just a little bit more about that? Um, okay, I'll try to give the short version yeah, of it because I don't want to put any of your listeners to sleep. <laughs> but in short, we um, last session, during the 2017 session, uh, the issue of craft beer and how they would be able to, to, to grow and prosper became very prominent in the state. It was a result primarily of Diageo and, and wanting to bring uh, Guinness, uh, a, a brewery here over in, in Baltimore County. So to make a long story short, like with most pieces of legislation, not everyone is happy. Mm -hmm. 
normally that's a good sign that you know because it meant a lot of compromise went into it but nevertheless the the comptroller weighed in on the issue he felt um, different from the General Assembly. And so it, it got very contentious as to, you know, how we were going to deal with craft breweries. And so he created a task force, um, that a hand-picked task force. They met all summer. It was primarily without any um, input from the General Assembly or, or, or the legislative leaders. So they came forth with a list of recommendations where it sort of get controversial, if you will, or it could be difficult. Look, Maryland has a very, like most states, I think, Maryland has a very complicated um, set of alcohol laws, but it's very carefully crafted to, you know, between the wholesalers, the retailers, and the manufacturers. Um, and, and it's not a perfect system. I'm the first to admit that it is not a perfect system, and we tinker with it a lot. Some in this particular area, the controller is proposing sweeping changes, but many of us, well, virtually all of us, didn't have the opportunity to participate in the task force. We haven't been briefed on um, any of the findings. I've, you know, heard through through something that occurred on Facebook. I'm an old guy, so you know, <laughs> I don't follow Facebook that closely. But that's the extent of my knowledge of it. So I guess for your, your listeners, as it relates to that subject matter, it's stay tuned. Um, as we start hearing about the details, we'll do the best we can. If there's something in there that we can really work with, um, as chair of this committee, I, I pledge that we will do just that. But we're, we're not going to have the nine months that he and his task force had to, to go over this. We, at most, will have nine, 90 days, and that's if he files it on the first day. If it's later in the session, then we'll have even less time. But we'll do the best we can. Um, you know, we want to make sure that Marylanders are drinking responsibly, but certainly we want to encourage this um, emerging industry. Absolutely. Well, Chairman Davis, we really appreciate you taking the time, and I know our listeners really appreciated uh, hearing a little bit more about what to expect in the next legislative session, um, and we'll certainly be keeping an eye out for all the issues that you mentioned. Everybody's welcome in the House Economic Matters Committee. We'd love for you to come down and see all the wonderful work we're doing on behalf of Marylanders, and thank you once again for having me. You can join us again in two weeks for another episode of Our Maryland's Politics and Policy podcast. But in the meantime, you can also keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and on our website at OurMaryland.us. Mm -hmm.